0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Eric Kent. And I'm Matt Blasey. And this is WGON Radio. This episode, we have a special report on the Living Dead Weekend Monroeville for the 40th anniversary of Dawn of the Dead. Later, we'll have audio from the Richard France and David Crawford panel at the Living Dead Weekend in Monroeville. After that, we'll have a moving tribute to George A. Romero from Tony Buba. But first, the news. First up, we've got, uh, kind of out of, out of it nowhere, um, comes a children's book authored by none other than George A. Romero himself called The Little World of Humungo Bongo. And apparently, this was only released in Belgium, um, back in the day, um, And it was released by Untold Horror. Um, Had you ever heard of this before, (laughs) this announcement, maybe a few months ago?
2: Uh, No, I totally... I probably saw the announcement and maybe just passed it by because there's always so much that gets announced with George's name on it that it sometimes becomes white noise, and, Mm. and I hate saying that. Yeah. But I remember seeing this on the table at living dead weekend that suz romero was at and i just kind of glanced over it and didn't pay much attention because at first i thought it said an introduction by so i didn't gotcha i didn't pay much attention until about a week or two later when it went live on amazon and it, i didn't actually order it until earlier this week because i it was in my cart and just time slipped away from me and i realized i didn't buy it so i, I Bought it, and it's taken. It's not going to be here till the end of the week for me. It's mm-hmm. taking a little extra longer to get here, which is surprising me.
0: Well, I haven't had a chance to read the actual book yet, but uh, the actual story. But it, I've read the forward by uh, Tony Tempone or or Timpone, I'm not sure how you say it from Fangoria, and um, and then it has an interview with dave alexander in the back pages of um talking about the the book and how it came about so yeah i won't spoil any of that for you and i can't spoil the story either but he did also george also did the illustrations in the book so yeah i mean it's it's uh it's really cool and um untold horror I remember, and I don't know if it. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think it ever came out. But I remember seeing a trailer for a documentary they were going to put together called Untold Horror, which was going to be about several projects that horror or horror directors were trying to put together, but they never were released for whatever reason. Do you recall that at all?
2: Very briefly. It's again, it's one of those things that you hear about and then it disappears for six, eight, nine months or, or forever. So it's, I tend to sometimes, I don't want to say disregard that stuff, but until there's, you know, something more than, Hey, this is something we're working on. I might not give it much thought because it might be two years later and then you finally hear about it again. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I want my page to be spammed, but I kind of want more info other than, hey, we're in the early stages of this great thing, and then you disappear for a year.
0: Right. Kind of like the Dawn 3D thing. Yeah, <laughs> ten years later. <laughs> um, yeah, the, uh, uh, back to the untold horror trailer, I do remember they had a George Romero project that, that was going to be a part of that. It was some comic book adaptation he was going to do, and I want to say it was Copper Top. Uh, the superhero's name was Coppertop or something along those lines. And uh, yeah, that that was George's connection to that project. But I, apparently, they have, a, or I've l- looked at their website, and um, I couldn't find any mention of that documentary. I wanted to kind of you know, give more information for the show, but, uh, and I could, I'll have to see if I can find the trailer, but, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure if that project has fizzled out or what. Um, I,
2: I guess we're just going to have to wait and see because everything seemed to went on hold about a year ago, which Jesus, I can't believe that's next week.
0: Huh. <sighs> yeah. You know, um, Speaking of fizzled out I'm just thinking out loud here Do you remember that uh, that documentary Dead on uh, That George Romero documentary That was they were putting together Rusty Nails Was putting together
2: Oh, oh my god yeah I
0: have thought about that in forever About a decade ago uh, Dead on and, and they had a pretty solid trailer together And they had uh, They had a lot of that Ralph Langer behind the scenes footage. Um, I remember there was an article or an interview with uh, Penn and Teller. Which one is the large one?
2: Uh, Penn.
0: Penn. There's an interview with Penn where he was saying, like, Season of the Witch was the most important feminist film ever made or something. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'd like to find out why he thinks that.
0: That trailer looked like, I mean, that project was a go. I mean, you know, it looked like six months later we should have had a final product.
2: So there's so many unfinished products, documentaries, books, whatever, regarding George that, you know, I'm sure you could fill a small library with all the stuff that's just sitting in a drawer somewhere, waiting to be edited or compiled and and stuff. It, it's amazing how much has been written about him. In the last maybe 10 years.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, this book, it's pretty easy to find. The Little World of Humongo Bongo. Um, it's, you know, Amazon or, you know, I even I think it was even on like Walmart.com for, you know, under 15 bucks. So, yeah,
2: <laughs> I think. Next episode, we'll we'll do a review on it. We'll see what you know what we like about each story and pick our favorites and 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 see how it goes. I, I hope I hope people pick it up. It was a sleeper thing, like I said. I don't remember Sue saying anything about it at the Living Dead weekend, and you know it just kind of like popped up. But you know I, I hope it sells good for him, uh, especially with George's name and it's being his original material and not just something he wrote a foreword on. So I, uh, I, I'm looking forward to reading it I just wanted to get here so I have the time to sit down and, and go through it
0: Next up we'll discuss uh, a couple of Blu-rays that came from Germany uh, XT Video um, It's Dawn of the Dead um, I, I picked up just the single release of the 156 minute version and Matt, I believe you picked up the four disc box set Yes, I did Which uh, has all three cuts and the 156 minute uh, com- They're calling it the, the The complete cut The complete cut, yes uh, What did they used to call it?
2: Um well, the one that you can find on YouTube is the Extended Mall Hours Cut, which is probably as close to that version as you could probably get that I can recall.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, this this version, uh, this 156-minute mer- version, is a pretty rough um, just combination of all the footage available. But now all the footage available is in high-definition through these box sets that have been coming out from overseas, Italy and Japan, and um, and that's the source that they've XT Video has used to make this extended or complete cut. So, being able you know being able to do the frame by frame edits in a much smoother fashion on the Blu-ray format, the high definition format. I think have you had a chance to look at it?
2: Yeah, I watched the complete cut uh, a few days after I got it. I, yeah, I, I'm I'm glad that they finally did something like this in high def because it's, it, it looks good considering the source material and they probably didn't obviously have any, you know, negatives or, you know, first generation, you know, film prints of it, but. Now, I was surprised, just like with that Italian 4K set, that they chose to do this, because it's, it seems that overseas tend to be more liberal with the releasing of this film. Obviously, you know, we, we've discussed in the past Rubenstein and, and his approach to the film here in the States, and how he feels that there's really only one cut of the film worth seeing. But for... Germany, Austria, wherever this came from, I forget. For them to put that together is is really interesting, because with the Italian set putting out that open mat version of the Argento cut, and now the complete cut, there's, you know, that's, you know, as close to a definitive version of of his movie that you know we're ever gonna get because, you know, he didn't he didn't film much that. You know, he would have cut Lang on the floor. There's no great missing deleted scene out there that you know we've been talking about for 20 years, and it's sitting in some vault somewhere. I don't know. Maybe maybe Argento has a has a, a a long version on film that he cut down. You know, who knows?
0: Yeah, I think I think he may have had the. Well, I don't know though. I feel I've always wondered that because it there's just no way. He could have taken like a. I don't think he could have just taken materials and put something so close together, as Romero. You know, he must have had some mm-hmm. kind of reference, or you know what yeah. I mean. Or he just took the full blown four hour. Here's the whole thing. I don't know. I, I yeah, that that's something I, I I'm curious about. I wonder how that went down. What what Ar- Argento received from Romero to cut
2: I wonder if he just received the extended version
0: the super and, long version
2: yeah and and cut it down from that I'm sure they struck a print and he gave it to him because he's like you know here's all the material and then George cut his version down to that to the 126 minute and then Argento obviously pared it down even further to 88 or 89 minutes and then you know somewhere along the line someone got together and spliced all this stuff together for us i'm not going to complain about having a (laughs) uh what a two and a half two hour and 36 minute cut of dawn i'll take it
0: yeah i think um for for having it you know for basically you know just being all the footage more or less just jammed together so you get some kind of rough edits with the music cues suddenly cutting off. Um, there there was really minimal effort made to kind of smooth out those edges. But visually, I think, just because the material is so, such good quality now, uh, it, it flowed a lot smoother than previous attempts. Not that mall hours atten- uh Cut that you were talking about That's very smooth because that Whoever put that together They made an effort to Color correct throughout And make it all match And uh, make the music match And um, These guys did not do that But all the same it's For as rough as it should be It's really not that bad It, it flows pretty well I think and, uh, Yeah
2: especially because You've got you know, goblin music where there should be mall music. It's
0: mm-hmm.
3: yeah, some
2: of that stuff kind of stands out. But yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything bad about it because, like you said, it's it's a professional quality edit. Mm-hmm. It's not like they could have gone back and and taken original audio tracks and and changed the music or sound effects to, to be smooth the whole way through. Mm-hmm. It's you know that that would be amazing for someone. Overseas to do since they probably have the ability to, but who knows if those original tracks are anywhere to be found anymore? Rubinstein probably has them; he's not going to let them out.
0: Oh, the the original master with the yeah. Um, I I ended up uh, I got the earlier version that it's a two disc. It's got the um, the Blu Ray of the hundred and fifty six minute cut, and then it has a DVD. Which is just a duplicate DVD of the uh, of the DVD that was released like in the late '90s or early 2000s from Germany of the 156-minute cut, and it's also the very you know the VHS quality as well. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and it's got all the old features on it of them you know on the old school editing bay, you know, know, manually twisting the knobs and stuff on the uh, tapes and uh so yeah i i, I don't know it's kind of strange but it, it's interesting to have i guess have the old school version of it but uh i'm i'm very happy with it and these things are limited as hell in hindsight i mean i ha- i had no idea um a box set was forthcoming i probably i would definitely would have rather had the box set just cuz it it's nicer looking um cuz i think i when i got the two disc, uh, single release. I mean, I, I probably got one of the last couple for sale on the net, you know, because people were scooping that stuff up. They, I believe all of these are limited to a thousand. Um, but I, I've seen, uh, collectors. Um, I mean, you, you and I know some real freaks when it comes to Dawn collecting and, um, this XT video company, I've seen like dozens of releases from these guys for Dawn of the Dead, all sorts of like tens and, um, you know, clamshell case, you know, all sorts of like different styles of releases. Have you, do, do you know to the, do you kind of know what I'm talking about when I'm saying this?
2: Yeah, I've seen them and, and I'm, I'll be honest. I don't always look at who the distributor is if it's overseas because it's, usually by the time I find them out, there's 60, 70 euro, right. <laughs> you know, on this, on the secondary market. And I missed the release by like six months. And, you know, they, they look absolutely stunning and beautiful. And, you know, they only do a small run of, you know, maybe 2000. And it seems really odd that, you know, the movie comes out every few years in Italy, Germany, Belgium, you know, somewhere on this, on this low print run. So I, I guess in essence, You know, XT could be, you know, a Shout Factory-style company over there that gets licenses and produces them for, you know, a a certain number of prints, and and then that's it. Because it's it's amazing. I would say almost on an annual basis, we're getting some sort of new box set all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm surprised – well, I don't want to say I'm surprised, but, you know, there's – there's no special features on anything overseas because everything's owned over here either by, you know, Anchor Bay Entertainment stars, redshirt pictures with Mike, or, you know, I don't know how much of the, the documentary stuff. I don't think Rubenstein would have any rights to that, but I'm surprised they wouldn't reach out to a Mike or someone and say, we, you know, can we license this from you for this this set? Mm-hmm. You know, because, you know, I, I would be certain many fans overseas would love to see the dead walk documentary on a, on a blu-ray over there or, you know, mall footage, you know, from Ralph or, or someone that we've gotten over here because getting all these boxes is great, but there's not one complete one that has everything with it. Document of the dead, you know, the dead, you know, the dead walk
0: documentary. You, you got a good point there. I mean, it's a stateside one or, or, or regardless of where it was put out, if it was handled properly, it would have that um it'd have that new uh that Synapse version of uh Document of the Dead on it, but the the original cut it would include that. Um you know, what was it like sixty not eight minutes or something where it where it didn't include anything beyond the Dawn footage. Um and uh shoot Go ahead and do a new documentary, you know? Yeah, it's go ahead and do a new one. It's been, it's been, uh, 14 years.
2: Yeah. And especially since, since then, I think we're coming to the point with a lot of these films and not just Dawn, but I, I think we're, we're reaching the tail end of documentaries and, you know, the, the one we got 14 years ago was, was very comprehensive but, you know, if anything is new, and, and and this is speaking strictly from a fan perspective, I want to hear the stories of people that we don't hear about, which is obviously why we're doing this podcast, is, is to get in touch with people that have these great stories that, that never seem to get a, a moment to tell them. And, you know, people like, you know, Carl Augenstein and... The boobas and, and those types of guys that, that were there for not just Dawn but for that that great seven or eight year period that can really you know pull the curtain back on who George was and, and what it was like to actually work with him firsthand because those are stories that we're not gonna have forever.
0: And, and not only that we've gotta get the uh the newer folks when we get a chance, we gotta get Brew Baker on here. Yeah. What tell what is it? Alan Van what what is it? Alan Van Sprang. Sprang, thank you. <laughs> yeah, who um I'd like to he, hear from him. He'd have an interesting perspective. He was in all three of his most recent films.
2: I know. And it was just announced uh that he's starting to do some conventions. He's doing his first one in Germany in a couple of weeks. Okay. Yes. I mean he was involved with George for you know, five, six years and and got to work with him. So it'd be definitely interesting to hear his perspective on George in his later years working on, on those, you know, those films. One of the, the, uh, talent agencies that I follow on Facebook, uh, just booked him for, for something over in Germany, I think in July or August. So I'm hoping that that'll translate because he was in, he was in one of the Sauls, uh, Saul three, I think. So I'm hoping, you know, he'll give a they'll give him a run here in the states somewhere that I can I can go and meet him. I met him I met him on set of Survival. Uh, didn't really interact with him, but I, I I got to say hello to him and exchange pleasantries. And then I saw him at the premiere for Survival at the Toronto International Film Festival the following year. Uh, got a quick moment with him, got a photo, but he wasn't at the Survival screening last August. Uh, I was a little I, Boy, I'm gonna have to look at my photos. He may have been. I just don't. He he was. I didn't get a chance to talk to him. Sometimes, sometimes events run together when there's so many people at them, and and you're trying to think who was what and where. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes that was that was a hellish summer.
0: You get around, man.
2: Yeah, I get around.
0: You get. I mean, seriously. I mean, it's mind blowing event after mind blowing event. You you know. You lose some details here and there.
2: Yeah, I, I do keep it all straight, but sometimes it's he, he was there. I think he stayed for. He might have left during the screening because I know when we went up on stage and did the Q and A, I don't, I don't believe he was there. Now again, someone's going to listen to this and be like, "No, man, you're wrong." <laughs> you know, go, you know, go take my memory meds or something because I'm I'm all over the place tonight.
0: Apparently. Well, that reminds me. I'm glad you said that. If anybody's you know got anything they want to do, uh, write write in a question to the show or anything. Uh, we have an email address. We're at wgonradio at com, And we also have a Facebook group. You'll just look up wgonradio face, uh, on Facebook and, uh, you'll have to, uh, request access to the group. And as long as you're not a robot, we'll approve you. So, uh, yeah, st- stop by. And also we're on iTunes. Give us a review there and, uh, it's, you know, we're working on the frequency thing, um, as far as how often we we release shows. Um, but I'd, I'd say the best thing to do would just be to uh, either pay attention to the Facebook page, or I would just subscribe to us on iTunes if you can do that, and it'll just uh, download as they show up. Um, so the other,
2: you know, I don't know if you want to talk about the other Blu-ray announcement that we got surprised with last week. Yeah. Uh, our friends over at Screen Factory, friends of the show Screen Factory, because I think at this point they're friends of everybody for what they do, uh, announced a Creepshow special edition. uh, Blu-ray to come out
0: in... It's uh, October 23rd of this year. Yeah, right before Halloween. And uh, it's funny because right after the uh, Living Dead weekend, uh, I had... uh, uh, Me and my son had a look at the... uh, the wraparound, the at Tom Atkins house, uh, from Creep Show. And, uh, he had never seen it. So when we got back, it was kind of just became a priority suddenly for him to check it out. And, and then of course, after that, I went ahead and went through all the, uh, extra materials, the Michael Felcher documentary, uh, you know, combed through it all. And then of course, they announced this like two seconds later. <laughs>
2: I was just gonna say that one came out of nowhere. I was not, I was not expecting a creep show uh, set, and if I was, I would have expected it from Arrow, considering they had had Creep Show two uh, just over a year or two ago. But it's it, pleasantly surprised w- with the announcement because it was. You know, Creepshow was one of those films that I think is for as much love and admiration that people get, especially around Halloween time when they start talking about, you know, films that people love to watch during the season. And, you know, Trick or Treat obviously gets brought up, which was also just announced probably two days before Creepshow, as probably two of the best horror anthologies, uh, you know, ever. And... You know, for, for Creepshow to be getting this, this is great because I mean Mike did a great job on just desserts and and really really going to town on the the documentary with new information and and everything and you know, I'm gonna I'm I'm anxiously awaiting the special features because I would buy this anyway from them and but I know they're gonna hopefully do something that we haven't seen before, I'm hoping as selfish as it sounds, as I want a new commentary. I don't know from whom, but I, I would love to to have them really, really give us something that, that really sets us apart. Because, you know, I'm thinking about it. There's not too many people from each segment that are either alive or willing to talk. If you go to think about that. Right. You know, I, You know, if they get Stephen King... To sit down and talk about this Ooh. i think that'll be worth twice the price of now the you're set talking
0: that you that's the yeah. commentary the stephen king commentary
2: i you know he, i don't think he's ever done one but i would love to hear him sit down and talk about this film because i
0: that would be again, amazing even even for just his uh verrill segment oh yeah oh you know just, what just, you, you could do segmented uh commentaries just uh just by each story, you know, it could maybe just, uh, well, I don't know. Yeah, I'm just kind of talking up my ass here, but that would be amazing just to, uh, you know, just get a couple of people from each, uh, segment and, or, you know, who, who was on the original commentary? It's, uh, Romero Savini and
2: the one from region two was Romero Savini and Mike
0: and Mike. That's right.
2: You know, but it would it would be nice to hear like you said, segment and commentary. I was thinking the same thing and that that would be neat. You could have John for Father's Day. You know, it'd be nice mm-hmm. to hear, you know, Galen from Something to Tide You Over and you know, Hal Holbrook's still alive and kicking in Pittsburgh. That would be you know, him and Adrian for great commentary for the
0: crate you know, and that to, there's still room for Ed Harris and Ted Danson. There's still room for him. There's
2: there's a possibility. I I would assume if the price is right, but I don't. Well, I would see Ed over Ted.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Um, but
2: yeah, those two guys I think would be a gold mine
0: right there. And, Steven, and, and Stephen and Stephen King. Um,
2: you could just sit them down like as a table and say, let's talk about this movie. And I would watch half an hour, hour of that, just them going back and forth. Mm-hmm. and you know, of course, that's gonna be a pipe dream, but I have a feeling my my guess of the special features is they will hopefully I would like them to port the old commentary over from region two because I don't think a lot of people have ever listened to that,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and then I would say do a new one, you know it'd be nice to to hear mike gornick and and some of those guys uh talk about it, and then you know really get some of the people from Creepshow that have never never talked about it. And just, yeah, I'm, just, I'm really excited for that. That's probably my most anticipated Blu-ray of the year. And I, I think the cover art, uh, I think they did a fantastic job. Uh, I actually saw somebody make a comment that the cover art gives away the whole
3: movie. And <laughs> I just...
2: <laughs> I had to laugh and go, "Really? If you haven't seen Creepshow and you could figure out that this is a spoiler cover, I, you're you're a better movie fan than I am."
0: It is uh, true, though. I'm looking at it; it does give away. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it, it really gives does. away
2: some stuff, but I mean, there's no context. Yeah, so, exactly. I mean, yeah. I don't. You know, I don't really know what it's going to give away, but. You know, it's, it's one of those covers that I, I really dig. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm liking the, the new styles that some of these guys are are bringing in. I do like that it does come with the reversible art. So for, you know, any purists out there that really want, you know, their box set to look like it did back in the day, but, you know, having a nice, you know, you know, I guess Raul on the cover um, and then with the booklet. So it'll be interesting to see what the booklet has too. But yeah, I'm...
0: I, it's just kind of a little bit of a shame. I mean, if if Justice Ertz ends up on this release, which I would assume it would, just a little bit of a shame that the effort was put into the solo release and then to have this, you know, because that wasn't that long ago, was it? Maybe... Within the last couple of years, that's been, I would
2: say probably two years, two, maybe three, but yeah. And I mean, that was one of those, that was one of those releases that I was thankful to see Mike not only just do and it got out overseas, but you know, the fact that he was able to release it here in the States on Mm Blu-ray as a great standalone documentary, because it's, it's worth the price. It's, it's one of the better documentaries about one of george's films that i've seen oh hell yeah and and creep show just holds an affinity at, at a high level for a lot of fans across the horror genre because of how, just how well it was made
3: mm-hmm.
2: and and the team of george and and stephen king is was a team that i think if they would have just stayed together and done more oh yeah you know i I think those guys could have come up with some great original film.
0: You know, when my son was watching it, he was talking about how different it was. It does, just did not look like a traditional Romero film. It was not what he was expecting it to be. Uh, in a good way.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, it is. it is a more traditional horror film. And mm-hmm. I think... In in essence, outside of his his zombie stuff, you know, it is probably his most horror film. Mm-hmm. Dealing dealing with the themes and
0: and yeah, just and, and general classic horror. And def- yeah. Definitely of that era too. I mean, because that was some of my early some of the earliest glimpses of horror I ever saw was um, it was a creep show. Um, you know, just flipping through the channel it
2: also would be great to to hear from daryl Ferrucci oh hell and, yeah and, and and some of those guys to to talk about fluffy and 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 hopefully um a friend of the show dave Burian gets a chance to to chime in because i know he is a he has an affinity for fluffy mm-hmm. and he uh you know because to me that's my favorite segment in the whole film
3: the crate.
0: And
2: i think that's yeah i think that's to me, that that would, be, that would have been a great feature-length film.
0: Mm-hmm. Could have been, uh, yeah.
2: You know, it almost feels like it. Like, when you watch it, it it feels like the longest segment.
0: It does. It's got a lot of story to tell.
2: And, you know, I, I think, you know, Hal Holbrook, just, he, he nails it. And I think just, you know, of course, Adrian Barbeau just is an absolute great villain or foil whatever you want to call her in it antagonist um you know and just yeah i'm I'm just gonna say i'm I'm gonna go on record and say this is gonna be my favorite release of of the year probably and probably uh you know one of the the better george romero releases the states are getting um
0: i love creep show too and it's it's a great film it's it's and as we said before, classic horror from the era, early '80s, and it's not necessarily at the top of my list for Romero films, but I reckon it's a great film, and it's crazy because I'm I'm gonna be buying this film. You know, shoot, I'd have to I'd have to total it out. It'd be interesting to see how many times I've bought this film. Um. Just because of, especially once these foreign releases started dropping with the, uh, Just Desserts on it. I had a couple, uh, I had a DVD and a Blu ray overseas. Um, I had the domestic Blu ray, the domestic Just Desserts, the original Warner Brothers DVD. <laughs> I mean, I think, I, th- I think there's been a few others. Yeah, uh, I
2: have, I have every one that you mentioned, plus I have it on VHS, uh, not, probably from the late 90s is when I bought the VHS, so not a, not an early release, but mm-hmm. I know Creepshow 10 has, has, over the years, gotten a good, uh, a good release, a good amount of releases oh, yeah. from, from treatment. friends overseas. Yeah, so it's, it, it's nice to see that this is, this is getting a little bit more love, um, but, you know, knowing Scream, I mean, we're recording now in July. We will probably get special features in September. They tend to run the special features about a month before the release.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, based on their, their Return of the Living Dead 2 announcement the other day as well, which comes out next month.
0: Yeah, uh, that's that's a great, re- that's awesome. Can't wait for that yeah, one.
2: That, I'm, I'm, I'm anxiously awaiting that one. I'm yeah. excited for that.
0: And it that, well, gosh, completely off. Romero topic but has that one restored The soundtrack
2: Yes that is original soundtrack
0: That's awesome that's great Yep Cause I, still, I haven't
2: heard that original soundtrack since i watched it on vhs last probably like 20 years ago
0: i am st- still sitting in a, on an old vhs of that just to, that i can probably toss now <laughs> <laughs> i always
2: keep my old vhs releases yeah. Just oh, yeah nostalgia purposes i would hate to get rid of it and then i'm gonna miss it and i'm gonna have to pay 30 bucks for a tape that's worth about a buck 50
0: yeah you're totally right i'm i'm hanging on to it um but, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And definitely the, the creep show release as well. Um, uh, one more news item we have is that Mezco Toys is re- they're releasing, um, big surprise, shocker, they're releasing the airport zombie and flyboy zombie, uh, figures. You have to buy them together for $130. As a pair what are um uh, they're they're not they're actually really nice looking figures with the uh, cloth clothing um looks like really good sculpts on the face um i don't know are you are you in you you are you investing
2: i you know and I'm on the fence because we just got the living dead dolls <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
2: and then we get an almost Identical release, more obviously, you know, accurate, you know, portrait of of the characters. But yeah, like you know, like the the, the tone in your voice. Surprise, surprise! It's Flyboy in the airport zombie <laughs> again.
0: Yeah, exactly. And,
2: you know, you know, I don't, I don't want listeners out here to think, well, God, these guys, you know, they hate Dawn of the Dead. Like they're getting new Dawn of the Dead stuff. We're getting the same Dawn of the Dead stuff, just in a different. Format we're in a different sculpt, and I wish I knew what the deal was as to why we continually get those two. Mm-hmm. Because I and I think we've mentioned this before is I don't know what type of licensing deals are are in place for some of the characters. Because to release a, I, I can understand releasing a Flyboy sculpture because Dave Emge is still available. I'm sure you know you know he'd be contacted to to sign off on his likeness if he hasn't already. Maybe I don't see, you know, Paul Musser having signed a, you know, a contract that includes licensing rights in per- perpetuity for for toys and, and everything else. So I'm just, I'm a little underwhelmed by the choices that Mezco has made because I wish they could have done a- any other two Iconic zombies from that that area. You know, if I would have I would have plunked down my 130 bucks for a Sharon and
0: Clayton set. Oh hell yeah! Go ahead and take my money. Or, you know, uh, I would a Jim Crut and um, a green and yellow striped shirt zombie. Yeah, I'm. I'm I mean, Frank Sorrell and uh, Jay Stover. Yep. I just keep I, just I, keep taking my 130 the answer mm-hmm. the answer is yes <laughs> yeah, I would
2: you know um, you know the the box art in Pitcairn zombie sitting down there with a you know a, a glass door in front of pennies like I would have gone for anything else on day one
3: mm-hmm. and
2: you know and, and who knows you know my my tune may change one day and I'm sitting around going, you know what, I don't know what I'm going to do with this extra $130. I guess I'll just spend it on Dawn of the Dead and I'll end up buying them. But mm. I was I was surprised when the Living Dead dolls were announced. I bought those day one. I was thinking, oh, these are going to sell out. And I was kind of surprised to see them in an FYE like two weeks after I got mine in the mail.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I I'm just wondering if that's going to happen with these. Or or what the case is, because I, I would I would like these to sell well, obviously. It's Dawn of the Dead, I want it to be successful. But I would hope that, you know, if they sell out or get close to selling out, that they come out with a new series of stuff.
0: And that's the problem, is that when they... That's part of the problem, is when they sell well, they assume, well, let's stick with Flyboy and Airport Zombie then, because... That's the guaranteed money maker. Like, uh, maybe the Hare Krishna zombie didn't sell well with the Nikas. I, I don't know, man. Um, well, I, I can't you know, imagine. If he, didn't,
2: if he didn't sell well, you know, we would probably see them in more abundance at conventions, going for less than fifty dollars.
0: Right, that's true. Yeah.
2: You know, I I think they sold well enough, but I don't think the print run. You know, the the production line. You know, I don't think they flooded the market with them.
0: I'm I'm gonna they, I'm gonna look back and dig it up. I remember, and it was on homepage of the dead. I remember it was around the time uh, that these Nika figures had come out. I just want to say, oh seven. I'm I'm just guessing. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember somebody had gone to like a convention, a toy convention, where Nika had, and uh, they'd taken some pictures of a Fran um, deal, where she had like changes of outfits and stuff, and, like the
2: oh, that was a like a print, mm-hmm. like it looked like one of those paper dolls kind of thing where you could like dress her up.
0: Um, oh, I think it was actually it was part of the it was going to be part of the same series of uh, of these Nika figures, and it may have just been like a like a poster, like a promo sheet or something. But I, I want to say they okay. ac- they actually had like the box, you know, like she could change into her fur coat or maybe a couple other, you know, um, and and I want to say there might have been you know something else that they were previewing. It just Ended up never happening. I wonder. There's got to be some kind of story there. Uh, it either got shut that, shut down or I don't know.
2: That's a that's a box that I would buy. Four main cast and fur coats. Oh, with Roger in the hell yeah in the wheelbarrow. <laughs> just just here. Just take my money for that one right now because that's you know it's it, I I don't want I, I don't want. You know, again, the people listening to think like God. You know, they sound so ungrateful because we're getting this. I think it's just we we want something different. Yeah. You know, we've gotten you know the the NECA figures, the Living Dead dolls, the Japanese figures way back when. The Japanese. So this is like you know the you know third, fourth major release across the world of. Two very iconic and well-loved characters, and and people in general.
0: We also had that Japanese uh, Figma Flyboy, that with, with the that you could put the uh, Lenny Lee's head on.
2: Oh yeah, see, yep, forgot about that.
0: Mm-hmm. So Flyboy's maybe been the most abundant, the most represented yeah. across the board. He's you always got to got to have a flyboy zombie. And then I guess uh yeah, I yeah, it's got to be something with the licensing somewhere where like well you can uh or maybe that's part of the owner's control of uh the branding. Um, trying to make those more possibly more iconic. I don't know, man. Some strategy to it, I'm sure.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, let's let's hope they sell well. I'm sure we'll see them on the secondary market for twice the price. And, you know, hopefully that'll, that'll keep us, you know, with, with this, hopefully, you know, building wave of Dawn, you know, memorabilia. It's, it's really weird to see Dawn, you know, out and about in a store, you know, you know, I remember about what, five years ago, old Navy had a Dawn of the dead t-shirt out.
0: That's right. Yep.
2: Which, you know, you know, to go into any brick-and-mortar store in the United States and buy a Dawn of the Dead t-shirt, you know, post-1980, 1990s, because it wasn't like it was ever uh, available,
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, kind of shocked me. And especially because it was Dawn. you know, you would think that they would have gotten Night of the Living Dead, you know, because it's such a, you know, I don't, easier property to grab, considering its status. Um over the last, you know, now almost 50 years But yeah, to see Dawn released on a t-shirt was, was very surprising And I'm a t-shirt junkie So chances are I'll probably pick up Every Dawn t-shirt that I can come across uh, More so than a figure
0: <laughs> Well, we're getting older too Maybe more, uh, the fandom is getting older Maybe, maybe we're infiltrating The uh, upper levels of corporate America And uh, can get a Dawn well, of a Dead shirt In Old Navy now
2: uh, yeah, I mean it's also more acceptable to be a, a horror movie fan and, and you know Dawn of the Dead has you know with the internet, you know you, you got places like Dread Central and Bloody Disgusting and, and all these major horror websites picking up on you know, you know revisiting the, this kind of stuff and, and writing new articles and you know new fan, you know, younger fans, you know fans that we were 20 some years ago. You know, are are definitely very lucky to have such an old classic film like Dawn is readily available. I mean, mm-hmm. we had a VHS copy of the movie, and that was all we had for forever. Yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm glad that fans have the variety. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock a company for putting it out because again, it's it's more Dawn of the Dead, and I'll take it. I just. You know, like you said, we're getting older. I got to be a little bit more discriminating with my hundred and thirty dollars.
0: <laughs> so true. So, hundred and
2: thirty dollars mm. will buy me about six T-shirts <laughs> of Dawn of the Dead. Um,
0: I can get round so. round trip from Orlando to uh, to Pittsburgh and back before uh, for less than that. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I'm def- I'm going to have to pass on these unfortunately. Not that I don't like them. Love to have them, but yeah, yeah just going to But
2: I hope the fans that pick them up, get to enjoy them.
0: Well, sounds like you're leaning towards a pass yourself. Um I- Yeah,
2: I'm going to I'm going to pass. You're hoping to see them now.
0: pop up at FYE.
2: I, you know what I, I'd like to see them pop up for less than one hundred and thirty dollars. Yeah, that too. If they were if if they were thirty bucks a piece, I would probably have bought them. And you know, I'd assume the one hundred and thirty dollars price point is due to to the level of detail and and the clothing and stuff. And and again, they look fantastic. Mm-hmm. Sixty five bucks a piece, basically, what it comes down to yeah i'm just gonna you know for the fans that have the money go for it grab them up display them love them uh you know my hat's off to you but yeah (laughs) i'll pass unless i get a good deal on them
0: yeah on uh discount uh fye or clearance. up next we have a recap of the living dead weekend Monroeville 40th anniversary of dawn of the dead Both Matt and I recently had a chance to attend the Living Dead Weekend in Monroeville, Pennsylvania for the 40th anniversary of Dawn of the Dead. Uh, So we're just going to kind of recap that for a few minutes and uh, talk about some of the the events that happened there.
2: Let's just, you know, acknowledge the fact that we just attended a Dawn of the Dead convention inside the Monroeville Mall. I think that talking point itself is something no Dawn of the Dead fan that has been a fan for 20 plus years has ever thought about happening.
0: Yeah. It seems like it's out of the realm of possibility, but just simply because of the, the mall management's attitude towards the film and people that just general attitude towards people that fans of the film. Um, And to have new management in place that is, receptive uh to the film and the fans it's it's so freaking refreshing man it's unbelievable um and and we've seen the result of it here with you know having the uh the convention where the the dealers and the guests um were spread out between four uh empty storefronts uh at the mall empty stores at the mall and ended up working out perfectly because those uh the stores were really deep and uh you just had a lot of space to spread out and and uh that was one kind of question i had about it because i I feel you know like the convention was a huge success and was very well attended um but at the same time we were kind of mixed up with mall traffic and uh you know what i mean it was kind of hard to assess um you know obviously it's not like san diego comic-con size but you know it was kind of hard to to just quit when i was thinking back on it it's kind of hard to grasp um how many people were there specifically for the convention
2: yeah it would have been interesting to see uh you know you know a total fan count because you know we were all clustered at one end of the mall and it's it's the 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 non-busier side of the mall, like you said, you know, four storefronts that were were no longer in use were used as, you know, the convention halls. And, you know, the, the regular proprietors of the mall, the shoppers and stuff, you know, kind of walked through. And, you know, they were definitely, I think, kind of surprised because, you know, as much advertising as they did, I don't think people kind of understood what was going to happen and I probably figured it'd be something, you know, contained to one of the end caps or, or something. And, but to, you know, to walk, you know, from storefront to storefront to, to see, you know, friends and, and, and new friends and, and people we'd never met. And it was just mind boggling to spend that much time in the mall over the course of three days. Um, even for me, because I'm, you know, I go out there all the time and, you know, if I'm lucky, you know I get a few hours, or sometimes I get like an hour or so because I'm I'm traveling through town and I don't get a chance to really spend the time there. But you know, to to walk through the mall and just be completely immersed in Dawn of the Dead culture for an entire weekend is something. If you'd have told me 19 years ago when I first went to the mall that that would ever happen, I would have said, "Yeah, whatever." I was like, "I can't even take a picture in this place without getting escorted out."
0: Uh-huh, and- yeah.
2: You know, here we are, you know, being big Dawn of the Dead dorks and just being able to, to be there with people that, you know, some hadn't been back in the mall in 40 years Mm -hmm. and they lived in the area, you Mm -hmm. know, there, you know, or people that, you know, haven't seen each other, you know, it was great to, you know, finally meet, you know, Molly McCluskey and. Oh yeah. You know, you know a bunch of these people and you know Richard France oh, and to see man. these people, you know really kind of take take this experience and for the first time I think, you know Kevin and his crew did a fantastic job uh organizing, you know, it is it is an event that is run by a fan and and someone who who understands the the fan culture and the fan experience and you know, wanted to give everybody more than what they were expecting for the price they paid.
0: But, I mean, but 40 guests for the 40th year, I mean, that's an enormous feat. And, you know, even if you are just, you know, I understand a lot of the people are, you know, live around there and, you know, had very, you know, small roles, but all the same, it's a 40-year-old film you know how many you know and being able to have 40 people show up um that that's amazing and yeah again in the mall unbelievable like i 100% agree with what you're saying i've been to the mall several times but i've never immersed myself in the mall like that where i would spend 4 hours in the mall run get something to eat spend another four hours in the mall, you know, it's just like, whoa, you know I mean? And, and then do it again the next day. Um, but it, but I mean, I, and I mean that in the best of ways, it was just, you know, just to really, and, and mostly spend it down in that one end. Um, you know, and it's just in, you know, Tom Lafitte showed up for a few hours, I think on Saturday. Um, Paul Macaluso showed up on Saturday for like, 20 minutes
2: <laughs> yeah that was that was it. fun to be to just kind of run into him you know before really everything got started on friday because he what he flew into town it was something with his granddaughter
0: yeah i think it was with some family in town yeah
2: and he just happened to be there so it was that was that was a nice surprise to meet um, you know someone that you know i really didn't know much before we talked to him uh-huh you know here on the show and you know we we stood there for pretty much the entire time he was in the mall just talking to him and he was he was blown away by it
0: yeah i mean it's a shame i mean i'm sure you know i mean tom lafitte was able to sit i don't think anybody would have minded if if he pulled up at a table and you know started charging for autographs he
2: did for about an hour
0: oh paul did
2: yeah tommy did oh paul no, yeah of
0: paul, yeah, I paul. I heard you say tom. yeah paul yeah no i was saying just yeah. you know just like tom did i mean oh. i i don't you know i don't think anybody would have minded him sitting down for a few minutes and you know um and i mean i i don't know about you i i shoot i probably added like 25 autographs or so uh to my yeah, poster I'm,
2: I'm looking at mine and i got about Yeah, I added about six or seven to mine
0: uh, okay. for
2: people that I that I really wanted to to meet and
0: see. I didn't. I didn't. You didn't I go added, all the way.
2: No, I wasn't able to go all the way. I had to be yeah. a little bit more discerning with with my my uh, spending, but it was it was totally worth it. I mean every no. every single you know every single signature was great and you know, just the surprises of, of some of the people that were there and just mm-hmm. everyone was fantastic. And I mean, that's, that's part of what about that, that endears me to this film is everyone that was involved with the film loved being involved with the film and had so many great stories and they, they all had a good time and, you know, it was a big reunion for them. You know, some of these people have been friends their whole life and they probably haven't seen them, in, you know, in a, a decade or more
3: mm-hmm.
2: and you know, they pick right up where they left off and you know, I couldn't tell you how many times I'd go back by Tony Booba's table and he was gone. Cause he was, he was Facebook living the whole weekend.
3: <laughs>
2: you know, he was, yeah. he was Facebook living to, to, to his brother Pat Booba out in California. I think almost every time I walked by and he had his camera in front of his face, he pointed at you and you know, he'd go down the hall again. And, uh, you know, it was just, as much as much as I love Dawn, it's, it's going for the atmosphere and, and seeing friends like you and, and John and, and, and meeting friends from all over the world. You know, Japan and Germany was a, you know, a, a huge presence in England, um, you know, sent, sent all their best fans over, um, you know, minus a few that I know that really, really wanted to come.
0: That's why it's such a special but, experience. You'll never, never gather that bunch of people together again. You know, it's like unbelievable yeah. that how far people have come. You know, um, you know, it's, you, you wish you had more time to, to rap with Mark from Germany or, you know, Dave King or, you know what I mean? It's just like, when, yeah. when are you going to see these guys again? You I know.
2: know and I, I would love to get over to, England for the weekend of the dead because I think that is such a great sister show for what the Living Dead weekend has been putting on the last couple of
0: years. And yeah, I think it would be I think it would be wild to just drop in on that one. You know, kind of don't don't tip people off that you're going, just kind of show up. Yeah, yeah,
2: <laughs> and then just everyone's like, oh my god, you know. And that's kind of like you know, even though we knew they were all here because you know the minute they stepped off the plane, they were. They were just documenting every single aspect of their weekend. And it was so fun to see that because I remember, you know, as, as a fan being younger and, you know, going places and, you know, taking all the pictures. And there was no immediate gratification of social media. You had to develop the photos and wait for them to come back. And then you got to share them. Mm-hmm. But to, to, to see it's a your, show on like On your that, website.
0: On my website, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> to see the show through their eyes was fantastic mm-hmm. spending the time with Dave and Mike and, and Mark and, uh, you know, just all those guys that, you know, you know, you've talked to online for so long and you finally get a chance to just, you know, sit down and have a beer and, and just, just kind of like just soak in their excitement. Just got yeah. me more excited for the weekend as it went on. and, it's, it was such a fun experience for them. And, and I think just everything about that weekend was, was as perfect as it could have been. I mean, it was in the mall. You know, the, I think the only – there's only two things that could have made that weekend better, Dave Emge and George.
0: Yeah. And
2: I, I think – I don't think anyone walked away with any complaints other than, like you said, I, it would have had to have been a week-long celebration to fully – feel satisfied in spending the time and doing the things with the people that you care about, and that you're not going to see again for God knows how long, if ever. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think we all walked away with a great weekend worth of memories. Um, you know, Larry's tours seem to be absolutely well attended. I think he was having a blast with it.
0: That's one thing um, I wanted to mention is um, I think they were capping those tours at, I think at a hundred people. And he did, you know, three full tours and then a fourth one that was kind of a hat. You know, so I'm going to say maybe about 350 people roughly (laughs) took the tours. So I I was thinking about this and trying to figure out how many people were at the show. Um, And then I, I think back to the 25th anniversary. I don't think 350 people took the tour that night.
2: I would say maybe 100 maybe a little over cuz i, I no, know it's, that... No, it's it's more
0: than know. 100 but it's not 350. It's no, it, no. it's I, I mean maybe 175 split three ways or something like that is what the 25th was. But i remember do you remember when we gathered or when the gathering just outside the lobby of the double tree um mm-hmm. for the 25th. That was a pretty there was a lot of people out there yeah. uh gathered and under it, there um
2: I mean, it's hard to think that, God, we celebrated 25 and now we're up to 40 and how much changed in that 15 years, not just with the mall, but with us Mm -hmm. and, and and the whole culture, you know, it was, you know, when they, when they did those tours, you were only allowed to do it before.
0: We've got half grown kids. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, our,
2: you know, next generation of kids. And and I think that's great because I mean, they're the ones that are going to have to carry the torch you know to get to 75
0: i uh you know i was out at the airport and some kids pulled up i say kids and uh they're like yeah i was here at the 25th um 25, and i'm like well, f- gee whiz you guys must have been babies what would your parents bring you or something they're like no nah, bro i'm 37 <laughs> 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 uh hey, that's my age yeah i know so i was yeah 15 yeah shit. you 22. were I was, 22 as a baby now though you know this yeah uh, yeah when
2: i look at kids now i'm like oh man you're 22 oh that's so cute you have so much to go through yet
0: exactly you know but
2: but at that point you know 22 was you know we you know when when we were doing this at the 25th we were right at the beginning of of you know, the the convention scene really blowing up, mm-hmm. going more mainstream, more consistent, and it
0: wasn't... 4A and uh, M.G. had just bumped it up to 20. They'd wisened up. Yep. <laughs> and,
2: <laughs> you know, but it's, it's still, it's so neat that, you know, we have so many people that were there for the 25th, and they came back for the 40th, and sometimes that's the last time I had seen some of those people. Definitely. And... Um, Just, uh, you know, I hope, you know, we can do it again in 10 years for for when Dawn turns 50.
0: It's the first time I've been back for a convention event in Monroeville since the 25th. I've been back several times just to go, but never for a convention. Uh,
2: I I don't think I could go to, I I don't think I could miss uh, any Dawn-related event in Pittsburgh ever. I wouldn't. I wouldn't feel right about missing it just for myself, but I know, you know, I like to go and, and and share the photos and stuff for people that can't make it. You know, I want I want people that can't be there to feel like they were.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, you know, that's part of the, the fun reason I get to go, you know, when I go is, you know, getting to, getting to feel like I'm bringing people along with me because everyone – you know, I'll get messages for the week prior. It's like, oh, when you go say hi to so-and-so or, you know, try to do this. You know, they, they try to, it's almost like they're there. And that's half the fun of it anymore.
0: And I don't mean to, I'll edit this out if you want me to, but if you're ever hanging at a convention, you know, stick close to Blasey, man. Things can happen. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad idea to just stay within a 20-yard perimeter of Blasey. <laughs> Wait for the crowd to get, start moving. I'm going to get low-jacked one
2: time, and all of a sudden I turn around and there's people tailing me about 30 feet behind me. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> okay. It's awkward. I'm at the bathroom. <laughs> it's all right. It's good. You got to go, too. <laughs> I, I, I don't. You know, uh, If you guys don't applaud... I, I will be disappointed, but thanks.
0: That um, that's actually we need to uh we need to make that button or a t or a t <laughs> shirt and, and sell it for uh, the show proceeds like I'm with Blasey. <laughs> the guy's like, Oh you're with Blasi, come right in, step backstage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm the, I'm the friend Blasi told you about <laughs> <laughs> I'm with the guy that got Blasey in. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah.
3: oh, and
0: that's,
2: you know, I I count myself lucky, and, and and I will always always be forever thankful for everybody that's ever done anything to help me live my dream, and, and you know, and, and and being able to give back, and you know, whether it's. You know, showing you somewhere in the mall that you'd never gotten to before, or just introducing you to someone. If, if I can help make someone else's weekend, then my weekend was made. Yeah. You know, everything else is a bonus. And that's, and that's why I consider myself lucky. And that's sometimes why I tend to go out of my way to do all of this stuff because I know what it means to other people. And, you know, I've, I've been granted the, the luck of the draw in life to live three hours from the Monroeville Mall. Uh, you know, the ability to just pick up and go out there whenever I want and it's never going to get old. Um, I've been going out there next year will be 20 years since my first trip. So I think I'm going to have to do something special for that. But, you know, just, just to be able to, to do that is to grab a bunch of friends and say, Hey, come on, come here. We're going to go do something. They're like, what? And I'm like, I'll show you. That's, I, I love doing that for people because people have done that for me. And I think, I think fans of Georgia's films have that sense of family and camaraderie and you don't see that much anywhere else. It's, it's, there's so much competition within other parts of the genre or other, other facets of fandom that, you know, Georgia's, Georgia's fans don't tend to get much. And, and usually when they do, they kind of self-correct um, and people can kind of understand, you know, who people are because we we've known each other for for so long. And you you can tell when a newer fan comes in, you never met, you can just tell right away how much they love George and his films. And and just being, you know, walking into the mall the first time, their eyes are just wide and they're just taking it all in. And, you know, it's it's like being a parent and watching your child go through something for the first time that you did. It's, it's a satisfying feeling to say, see, that's what I was telling you about. That's why I tell you to come to these things. And, you know, people will tell me, oh, man, I really want to go to the mall, but it's not the same anymore. I'm like, one, it is the same. Two, do it. Because you, when you walk in the Minerva Mall as a fan of Dawn of the Dead, you're not it's, – it's almost like you're watching the movie as you're walking around in your head. You know exactly where the landmarks are. You know what happened where, and you can still see what it looked like because you've watched that movie hundreds of times, if not more.
0: But not only that, you're laying all these memories of good times with good people on top of it, so it just becomes even just much more stronger of an emotional attachment. Like I freaking, you know, this particular occasion, I you know booked an extra couple days, so I didn't have to rush it and uh so hung around sunday evening and they're you know watching them close everything down it's just incredibly sad you know just to kind of i mean sad to just see the good time wrapping up i guess i mean not but it's but kind of sad in a good way hard to uh you know time well spent kind of way hard hard to explain but um but yeah i mean just uh Having the, having the convention at the mall, it's amazing. It's an amazing experience and just gives you an excuse to, you know, hang around in the insides, you know, the, the main, uh, main portions of the mall, take pictures, just stand around, talk to people that you've seen on Facebook dozens of times, but never dreamed you'd see in person. Um, and you know, it looks like they're, you know, they did, they did one last year. It looks like this might be kind of a recurring thing um may not be you know as heavily dawn themed I guess every time, but it or you know and i don't i I don't know I mean it looks like they're they're going to be doing this every year and it's a great great location for it
2: i I sure hope it continues and yeah if they don't you know I don't think you need to do the magnitude every year, but I think it, and my own selfish reasons, you know, I'd love to see a Dawn of the Dead convention every year. And, you know, I, I would always love to see something new added or a new guest each year that, you know, i never been there or, you know, something that's going to keep us going because, you know, for five, six years, you know, George related guests were, were pretty prevalent in a lot of conventions and it's kind of died down. But now that we're, in this, you know, post-Romero world, I think there's a little bit of a revival.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And and
2: and, and I really I really have an issue with that, um, because it's one of those you, you don't wait till someone passes to really celebrate
0: them. Oh yeah, I'm all, you know, all about that too. It's a, it's called the heartbeat props, man. You got like a uh, Digital Underground once said um, <laughs> that you know you got to. <laughs> You know, give them the props while they're alive and kicking. I mean, yeah, that's something, maybe we can do a segment on this show about that. You know, it's just like, you know, it's been said a million times. Let's say it again. Tom Savini is an amazing human being. You know, let's, let's talk ten minutes about, you know, let's give him some heartbeat props. And maybe he'll hear it and it'll make his day and he'll go do something amazing. Um, you
2: know, yeah, and it's it's giving them an opportunity to talk about sometimes the things that they want to talk about.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, and you know because you know Tom and George have probably answered the same question in a variety of ways, hundreds of times, thousands of times, and but sometimes it's nice to sit down and say, "What is it you want to talk about?" You know, what is What's it? What is mind? it about your what is it about your experience during Creep Show that you know, stands out to you that has never been talked about. There's, there's always going to be those stories mm-hmm. and, you know, doing that now. And I'll probably say this every episode, but that's why we're doing this podcast is because there's dozens of people that have never had a chance to, to tell their story that it's just going to add to your enjoyment of a film or, or, Bring you closer to that person if you know them on a on a personal level, or even you know on the fringes, just on Facebook, because you know a lot of the Don Cast are on Facebook and they're friends with all of us, and you know you couldn't ask for for anything better than that uh, because they're they truly do care and love fans, and they and they appreciate and know you know fans have kept them coming to conventions for twenty plus years, and they celebrate them, they love them. And they give back, and all of these stories that are ne- have never been told, giving them an outlet to hopefully finally share that and, and keep the love of, of this film and, and George's career alive, because there's there's so much out there mm-hmm. that, you know, people never talk to George about. I mean, when was the last time you saw George Romero get a question about the dark half? Right. <laughs> You know, it's it's you know it's not going to go down in the history books as any great horror film.
0: That's why we need to get Robert Joy on here.
2: We need to get Robert Joy. I would love to talk to him. Yes, we do. And, and just to hear, you know, some of the some of those stories by the people that you wouldn't think to talk about, but that probably knew George and and was there in the shadows. Or
0: Grun- Peter and, Peter Greenwald, That would be the amazing get right yeah. there. Um, You you were mentioning about, you know, the revival and, you know, how they hopefully they can keep this rolling, you know, maybe into another spring convention in Monroeville Mall. And just, you know, just based on people that are alive, still around, and, and people that I've never met, I can create a, you know, a fantasy lineup that I think would be just as big as, As this year's I mean, let's Let's say Donald And Richard Rubenstein Um Uh, Dario Argento Claudio Argento Fuck it Um um, Chris Romero Um I mean, those, those are five heavy hitters Right there um, I need Claudio. I need Claudio Simonetti. Um, like you know, John Rice, peop Jim Baffico, people like that. But I mean, I'm already up to eight guests. Uh, yeah,
2: and it's you know, it's just it's just a matter of logistics and getting them there. But I guarantee you, you announce anything with a Dario or a Chris Romero, mm-hmm. y- you probably get just about everybody that attended this Living Dead weekend to return.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. My, and, and, I will and, and be there. Everyone
2: else, yeah. And everyone else that you bring in as an, as a guest is going to benefit anyway. So, yeah, it's, and, and I, I guarantee you, and I think Kevin has said this, you know, not for lack of trying, you know, he tried to get every single person he could. And, you know, and I, I give props to, to everyone that brought guests, Jim, Kevin, you know, Larry, Lee, all of those guys did a fantastic job giving the fans more than their money's worth. And, you know, if, if you're listening to this and you weren't able to attend, you definitely missed a show of a lifetime. And ever given the chance, please try to make make the trek. Um, I know a lot of people, you know, it, it's tough in terms of travel, family, money. But sometimes even attending, if you can't get every single autograph, just to walk through there and be in that environment is such an uplifting, out-of-body experience almost every single time.
0: We haven't even mentioned, they—they basically, they had running panels going for the duration of the convention on the hour. Each one of them, you know, just invaluable information. And unfortunately, you know, looking at the originally looking at the schedule i was like well gee whiz i'm just going to park my ass there all day and watch all this and it's just you don't end up having time to watch all of it you're just getting pulled in one direction or another by so much awesome you know stuff going on and i mean i did manage to sit down and get a couple of them one of them uh we're going to listen to tonight is uh the richard france and david crawford panel um just uh you know it's having richard france on the record is just such a rare occurrence that uh and i I have to thank uh kevin kevin christ from the living dead weekend for allowing us to use the audio and and also forgive us a little bit it was recorded open air inside of the mall so it's not the best audio but richard france is a very has a very distinguished pronounced voice so it's should be pretty easy to tell who's saying what but um but yeah, I mean, it's very, you know, the, had the panel where, uh, uh, Paul Musser was made up as the airport zombie and you had Savini chipping in at the end, applying makeup. Uh, Jim Sirinella and, uh, Mike Gornick had a, an amazing panel on, uh, some of the DeWolf Library music that they used for the soundtrack and, uh, Jim actually played some of the, uh, mall music over the, uh, PA system, so it's really cool listening to that music inside of the mall at loud volumes. Um, just, uh, I think Lee had one with a uh, Gornick and Dubinsky super interesting. Um, but I mean, you know, any one of those, you know, I, I, uh, Mike Tommaso. Uh, I need to get back in touch with him because he was videotaping every last one of them. The um, the Jersey. Football jersey zombie from Day of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need to get in touch with him because I yeah, I'd really love to to take all those panels in because they you know they're very you know you had some of the W G O N personnel. I mean, I'm sure it's very you know exclusive information. And it's just there's so much freaking awesome stuff going on. You just you just can't just park it and uh you, you literally would have to sit there for eight hours. You know the, the entire at a go the entire time. Um, you were mentioning, um, the, the staff of, uh, real quick about the Living Good Weekend staff. I mean, they're all, everybody involved, amazing job, um, hats off and, uh, yeah, can't wait for the next event. But, um, I, uh, I met one gentleman, uh, Will, who, uh, I helped him set up some stuff Thursday night and, uh, And it got super freaking late. I mean, it was like, you know, it's definitely, it was after midnight and we've been doing some heavy lifting and I was like, I got to get out of here. And, uh, when I came back and saw him the next day, I was like, how late did you guys end up working? And he was like, like, I don't, you know, I'm not even really sure. I I ended up sleeping here (laughs) and, uh, (laughs) right there, a new checklist item was born sleep in the mall overnight i mean come (laughs) on yeah that's
2: that's probably one of the ultimate bucket list items
0: right there that's that's a new one it's i I didn't realize it before then but uh you know we'll see we'll see
2: and i and i think we we can't talk about the living dead weekend without talking probably about one of the most emotional Things I've ever been a part of at the mall was was the unveiling of Christopher Rockus's bust of George mm-hmm. that has a permanent home in the mall now. Um, you know, ha- just absolute hands, you know, applause hands down. Chris did a fantastic job with George. Um,
0: L- you know, looks getting, even better getting... in person than uh, the sculpt did as he was doing it. Yeah. I mean, it just it's so. So realistic, such a service he's done. Because you, there's another um, bust in the mall, kind of centrally located, that like mm-hmm. isn't a patch on this thing. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. I mean, it looks, it looks okay, but compared to the Romero bust, it, you know, yeah. I mean, it, well, it's amazing. I mean,
2: that just go I mean, that just it was just made with love and admiration. Mm-hmm. Uh, like like Chris said, you know, he said that you know three biggest influences in life are his brother Tasso, Tom, and George, and you know for for Chris to be able to do that, to get it done in time, and and you know kudos to them all for for allowing it finally uh, to give George, you know, a prominent spot that that people can go and you know pay respects to him and and you know see a smile and. And you know, kind of get back a little bit to to the guy that he didn't put the mall on the map, but he definitely anchored it in the in the history of the area and you know pop culture to a certain extent um, just sitting there you know, you know seeing you know seeing him talk i i I was lucky enough to sit with george's George's wife Sues um i I had a chance to sit next to her, and it was just the emotion that she had had seeing it and hearing people talk about George it it, it choked me up and, and and I shed quite a few tears because it was just seeing the love that we all have for George and and you know everyone would have been there doing everything for free for him you know he, without asking because of who he was and what he did for for everybody and the people even the people that never got to meet him just show a level of reverence and respect for him uh, that the mall was, I think finally able to give us back as, as fans and and, and to his family and the crew and everything after all these years, you know, to finally say, you know, we, we want to recognize what, what you did for us.
0: And appreciate, you know, that your fans actually come here and they're not, you know, bad people, but they actually stick around you know, purchase a couple things before they leave. They're decent people most of the time. Um, yeah, it's just so refreshing to have that's just another, you know, byproduct of the new, the new regime at the mall management there and how receptive they are to all this that to allow something like this to, to happen. And it's just, yeah, it's amazing to see it just. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's still hard to believe that it's there in the mall it happened and and you know i think that entire uh fundraising effort occurred between recording sessions for us so you know what i mean it's a very short amount of time the money was raised the bust was bronzed and presented i mean it's it's amazing the turnaround on it and and hats off to everybody that contributed um i'm still anxiously awaiting my um my perks um but yeah, I mean, Chris, golly, just amazing work. It's amazing. I mean, that's like a bust that the, you know, I could see it's Hall of NFL Hall of Fame quality bust as far as I'm concerned. That, that's how accurate this thing is. And it's of the 70s era, George. You know, we see a lot. Most representations of George these days you see are of, of his older self with the ponytail and the gray hair and the large glasses. And, uh, this was of the Dawn of the Dead era. Um, uh, the way he looked at, and during the Dawn of the Dead era. So yeah, visitors to the, to the mall, you, you've got something significant to, to recognize the man and, uh, you know, maybe turn on some new people to his work. Um, yeah, it's amazing. I I can't believe it's sitting there.
2: I I can't wait to go back and visit it and just kind of say hi. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's weird. It's weird to say that, but I, I know exactly what you mean. Just uh yeah. Um well, um just kind of transitioning a little bit. Uh they are the Living Dead Weekend in October is going to be celebrating the 50th anniversary of Night of the Living Dead, and that's going to be taking place on October 5th through the 7th, and it's going to be happening in conjunction with a 50th anniversary screening at the Bynum Theater in downtown Pittsburgh, which will be happening on the evening of October 6th, and tickets just went on sale for the convention the saturday night screening which is a separate event separate ticket uh that has not been gone up for sale yet but it sounds like they're really trying to put something together for this uh for this screening they're saying it's going to be a lot more than just a screening so i'm not really sure what to expect with all that um I, I, what is uh, what's the outlook for you are you planning on attending this
2: Yes, I will probably be there. Uh, well, not probably, I will be there. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I think I'm more excited for the screening, uh, just because it's, it's such a, a celebration uh, of the film, you know, in, in the theater where it premiered, and, you know, it's just a different event. Uh, just to go see it. You know, celebrate the movie. You know, I've never been able to go to any of the early October screenings that they've had over the last couple of years just because they tend to be on weeknights and, and with work. You know, I haven't been able to go and attend. But, you know, to I, I've actually never seen Night of the Living Dead on the big screen in the city of Pittsburgh. So this will actually be my first time seeing it in that in, in that format. Uh, on such a large large scale event, I mean, I've seen it on thir- on 16 millimeter in Evan City, saw it at MoMA in New York, but never, you know, in that venue. So I'm, I, to me, that's that's my main reason for going.
0: Definitely, and the yeah, I mean, it's going to be historic, and I mean, I imagine. I mean, it sounds like they're trying to go large. I'm thinking maybe some kind of red carpet thing, but other other than that, I'm like, what, you know? Anyway, I mean, I'm sure they'll tell us, but I, I'm just you know, trying to figure out what they've got in the cards for the, uh, for the screening, um, but yeah, I mean, I I think just a simple, I'm completely okay with just a simple screening of the film, you know, just to acknowledge the, the anniversary, you know, with members of the cast and crew in attendance, so... Anything over that is just icing. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm booked. We're going, I'm, the wife, my wife and, uh, son are going to go this time. And we're thinking about taking in, uh, the Steelers are actually playing the Falcons that weekend, but ticket prices are insane, man. Um, yeah, regular season game. It's, um, I mean, right now I'm, I'm eyeballing StubHub to see if prices get more, you know, reasonable. But right now it's looking like at least 150 apiece for like, upper deck end zone kind of tickets, so I'm, I'm looking at drive, you know, dropping like 500 bucks to, but I mean, I've always wanted to see a game in Heinz, and, uh, Falcons versus, uh, Steelers, there'll be a ton of talent on the field, It'll be a great game to see, um, so yeah, I don't know, um, we're, there's a couple of things going on that weekend, but yeah, I'm not sure, I mean, we're definitely going to Living Dead weekend, and we're, you know, hopefully can <laughs> go see the screening. Yeah. I'm just kind of waiting to see how everything rolls out right now and before I commit, but we're definitely going to be there for the weekend and all that. But yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I, I've i never had a chance to meet Judy Ridley and, uh, and it, she's, I mean, maybe they'll surprise me, but I mean, that's, she's the only like, you know, core member of the cast that I've never I had a chance to meet um so it'd be more of just a relaxing kind of taking it in kind of weekend i'm not you know at um uh, the monroville event i was toting around my poster all weekend i had like you know 27 autographs to get uh, <laughs> i mean i remember i you know if i would i was sitting there having to like cross names off a list and keep referencing referencing the website see if i missed somebody um, I don't know if I mentioned it before, but that that poster I now I've got uh, fifty-two signatures on it now. Oh wow, fifty-two! It's like what the hell? This thing got ridiculous. But I mean, you know, I, I had you know a lot less before the Monroeville weekend. Well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad you're going. Um, I know they're having the um, Cinema Wasteland is the same weekend, and you know, it October. It's going to be convention season. I'm sure I'll. Sorts of stuff is going on, but uh, but yeah, I'm anxious to see what uh, what they roll out for for October.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. I'm you know they always do a great show, and and just to go and see friends and, and hang out
3: Evan City in downtown is going to be is going to be a great time.
0: Yeah, I, I've yet to have a chance to do one of the Evan City conventions either. I know it's it's probably got a much different feel to it being being in evan city i mean I, I understand there's like some wing joint that uh some wing wing or some bar that has wings or something Phil? yep
2: sports and sports and spirits
0: okay <laughs> yeah sounds like i need to check this out
2: it's it's a great place
0: um i'm sure you know 90% of the people listening to this are very familiar with the living dead weekend but if you're not definitely um check them out on the web or on facebook and uh think about dropping by because these are these are special events and not going to happen again and uh, you know and, it, and it's not it's not like those large conventions where you know it's profit oriented i mean don't get me wrong people are making money but um it just doesn't have that you know, it doesn't have that feel to it. It feels more relaxed. Um and something I wanted to mention about the Monroeville event, Ken Foray, Tom Savini, uh Galen Ross, Scott Reiniger, they they to me it seemed like they had the exact same amount of business as anybody else. You know, a person maybe two at a time at the table. Did you notice that? Oh, yeah. yeah.
2: Those, I mean, those guys, I mean, for as many shows as they've done over the years, still, I mean, have their fans, I mean, mm-hmm. and and repeat visits. Right. And, I mean, it's worth it. I mean, they're wonderful. You know, fans love them. They, they appreciate the fans. And... You know they they give you your money's worth.
0: But what I'm saying, there was plenty of times where I would see, you know, Galen Ross would have nobody at her line, and uh, you know, Michael Lee's might have a couple people at his table. You know, (laughs) so so it was just, you know, it was just that that was the kind of the oddball spread of it. You know, you could uh, you could really just kind of walk up to the table with just about anybody, even though there was a ton of people there. That just because you know that's the byproduct of having 40 guests you know it's it creates a good spread but yeah it was just a very relaxed event um kind of hard to put my finger on the vibe but it, i mean relaxed would be the best way to describe it it doesn't doesn't have that immediacy of of a larger convention there's there was no packed you know I was never, like, I don't think I stood in a line the entire time. I think if there was a couple of people at a table, I would just kind of, will hey, I'll circle back in a half hour and see what's happening, you know. Um I was never in, like, a crowded um merchandise room, squeezed between two tables, uncomfortably trying to purchase something. You know, it's, it's just, it was completely, you know, I never, you know, I wasn't bumping shoulders with anyone. It was very well spread out and I was just, it was amazing. Couldn't ask for anything better.
2: Nope,
3: definitely not.
0: Up next we have audio of Richard France and David Crawford's panel at the Living Dead Weekend in Monroeville for the 40th anniversary of Dawn of the Dead, courtesy of Kevin Kreis of the Living Dead Weekend. Uh, it was
1: clearly and we shot the scenes. uh, The first scene with Howard Smith, that interview scene, was made up on the spot, that was not in the script. Uh, We, (laughs) George, when we got on the set, George uh, asked two things. One, as I remember, 40 years ago, this is a long time, My hair was black. Uh, 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 George asked, uh, I I made mention of George rather, that the character uh, that I'm playing is really an extension of the character from The Crazies. A very, very similar character. And I had to remind George that that guy died. Okay? Uh, Whereupon, George uh, stopped for a minute, thought, called out and said, wardrobe, get him an eye patch. That's literally the case. And what I'm amazed about, the the truly amazing part of this is, how few people have made that connection. It's absolutely blows my mind. Uh, The other part was, working with Howard. Uh, All those lines in that scene, in the interview scene between us, those were all made up on the spot. George, again, came to us and said, okay, what do you think of the scene? That's right. And uh, Howard and I were both writers. Howard got, unfortunately, no longer with us. You, you could never have asked for a better straight man than Howard's head. The chemistry between us is, is, is simply clear in the film. It's wonderful. And that doesn't happen. So Howard took it upon himself and a straight man. And, it, and in fact, if you listen to Howard, he was talking about some of the uh, places where these creatures... I never heard George, by the way, using was on. Uh, that, 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 that I never heard. Uh, these creatures are showing up in places like Appleton, Wisconsin. Well, that's where I was living at the time. And I flew him from Appleton, Wisconsin into the film. And what happened was, George... He said to George, eh, it's okay, we we'll it. he said, well, wait a minute. Uh, do you have a better idea? And how you don't say that you don't make a statement, uh, quite, you don't ask a question like that to two writers. <laughs> <laughs> because they're immediately going to say yes. You have a better idea. And so Floyd uh, Freud said, Okay, then try it more. And one take later that's what it was. So it was one it, and I it could never have happened. And I I, I want to make this Without Howard feeding me those lines, getting me angry, without George off camera, uh, adding insult to injury, it wouldn't have happened. Thank okay. uh, Yeah, well, it was Channel
3: 53. It the same place where David Early and I shot our scene. We got lost. Um, most of us were starving actors at the time. One of us had a car, one of the I think it was David Early. I think he was out of school and teaching by then. Uh, so we carpooled up. And we went to the Long TV Studio. We went to Channel 11. 53 was miles farther out, and there were no cell phones at that time. So it took us a while to get oriented. I don't know where it's supposed to be. Anyhow, we got there, and in spite of being late, uh, it went smoothly because David and I had. Stage actors and were used to working together on stage and rehearsing. So we had rehearsed this scene pretty thoroughly for And George was well prepared at that time. He was making uh, documentaries and uh, corporate films and stuff like that where you go you in and you grab your shots real quick. And uh, you have to work very efficiently. Uh, so he brought the crew that he'd been working with on those things along with and they were like a well-oiled, very efficient machine. They just knew what to do and they did it and there was no distress no whatsoever. So, we were prepared, they were prepared, and the thing went fast. It was like five minutes worth of a movie to we out in the morning. And I think we even got lunch. We were done with right at all. Um, so, it was a grand experience and with it all, George, uh, George was very close to him. It's like working with a large and, and uh, good natured man. Uh, and the grand experience was very sold out. Now, um, a, lot of, a lot of the actors and people who were filmed ended up getting roped into other jobs. Did you guys find yourselves roped into other jobs or did you just do your, your parts
1: in there? Well, at uh, the time, I was doing the most, I was employed as a college professor, and I hated it. I hated the life, I hated the, uh, the politics, I hated the whole goddamn team. Watch it. I hated the uh, students as consumers, I thought this was a disgusting way to make, this spend the rest of your life. Even what happened was, George, this is why I want to make a, a real, thank you George, uh, when, not being an actor, when George hired me to do uh, the crazy, as a daughter did, he had to put money into in escrow street acting to allow me to work on a the film. They were even in blockheads, and I wasn't in the union. So what happened was, when I went back to New York one summer, I, uh, I, would, uh, travel, I was a social coward. And I ran into a woman who only means nothing to me. And, <laughs> and she came over to me, and she said, do you do voiceovers? Uh, and I said, no, oh, I'm goddamn college professor. And she said, well, you should be doing voiceovers. Really? <laughs> okay, tell me about that. many years, it took place to um, go. Because George put that money into the Screen for me, I was able to join the New Yorkers. And in New York you cannot work without that film, without the New Okay? It's just out of the question. So I was able then to go immediately into the SAC, to Sweet Atkins, and then transfer over to Africa, the American food. Let me tell you, many things that George did, that I loved him, George I knew, and I didn't know him after, after death long time, many things he did, and the joy of working with him, that I'll always be grateful for, because there is no better way you can get the word. Are for a lighter, okay, it uh, is enough. I don't give a damn what they tell me, I make up all kinds of stories about the whole bunch of, of college and questions, bullshit, you can make more money on two national spots, that have two cycles each, which is two hours worth, and you can't for the entire semester, then you walk away with your place, as opposed to straight the hell out, of it, trying to get across to people who don't give a shit about what the discipline you're trying to explore. Okay. And so it was a wonderful ideal profession to go into New York in the morning, go into a studio, and record, go home by noon, and the afternoon in the Okay? it. It was wonderful. And for that, it wouldn't have been possible. Period. I'd have been stuck in some goddamn uh, product somewhere. Probably still in Wisconsin, fighting off uh, alt- the altar right uh, 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 um, either that or I'm going to go to the Middle By the way, this college I was at in Wisconsin, you know who their homeboy was? None other than Joe McCarthy. <laughs> that gives you an idea of the mindset of that community. God was my friend.
3: I'm glad
1: you were You have a beautiful speaking voice. What?
3: And I, I find myself
1: saying,
3: You should 40 years ago. I, I did. <laughs> well, I'm in the movies. You think I'm a dummy <laughs> okay. uh, Well, yeah, I, I did a lot of that after work as well, on certain of stuff. Uh, I've sort of eased away from it in recent years because it used to be all union work in a professional recording studio and you'd make a bunch of money. Like a, Several hundred dollars, a thousand dollars in, in an hour uh, session. Uh, and uh, I still do some of it. I still do the Pittsburgh Home and Garden Show at the Convention Center downtown. Uh, so <laughs> you hear that next spring, it's me. Um, but nowadays, so much of it is not in use basements because technology changed. And you can, do, you can record voices anywhere. Um, so I don't need so much of it anymore. Um, but.
0: I'm to, to say something interesting.
3: Well, I forget about it. I'll bore you today. Um, Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I find it hard to, uh, to uh, understand your dislike for college professors. I haven't college professor, but I have taught. I taught acting to a bunch of kids at Skillow Academy downtown. And uh, I was very happy about it. But teaching acting is different. Uh, and, and intellectual subject. Uh, because it's active. you're on your feet, the kids are on your feet, you're interacting, uh, and, and having fun behind. Uh, and then, now well, it's very rewarding because they come back to town all successful and stuff. Uh, a couple, couple months ago, one of my former students, Logan Green, came to town uh, with the national uh, touring company of Rent playing the lead role in the uh, guitar. Uh, and he was a student. I got him on act. I I don't So, for those in the back, the question was, now, no? did, did you have any inkling that the movie would be this successful 40 years later and even
1: speaking here now? The movie was great. I can only speak for myself, but right? and um, you may know this is a, the first time. just that uh, in, in terms of my priorities, number one, uh, many, many years uh, were writing, we were writing, we're sober, family, so you know, uh, my, my day was really very, very full, and so consequently, I never gave a lot of thought to this, and never realized, I, I have assumed over the years that you forget me. <laughs> and I, I took that as a, you no, know, no, I'm not being trying to be humble. I, I took that as a given. That, you know, one, out of sight, out of mind, little did I know that absence makes a hard farm. Who the hell knew? You know? So, how did you come back to me? My wife Elizabeth and I knew what happened. So we're walking down the walkway to our bank one day, about five six years ago. We're walking to the bank, walk Jesus bank, and I had no idea that we were being fallen no idea whatsoever. Okay? And if a young couple had followed us down Broadway into our bank. <laughs> uh, and finally, one of them tapped me on the shoulder and said, Are you? Yeah, uh, I, mean, I thought I recognized you. Oh my God. So it was clear that the impact of this film has, uh, it's astonishing to me. What 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 I what I think is really remarkable is that all art is aimed at an audience. Okay? It lasts and, and the durability uh, of the artwork art lasts as long as it's an audience. Okay? Frequently something will come back as a classic. But what, what this this particular project has never gone out of out of mode. It has always been there, always attracting an audience. Okay? And what I find amazing astonishing part to um, you get to my and then you get subsequent generations uh, picking up on the film to continue to follow. Okay? It's got a life of its own. It's like Citizen Kane in, uh, in uh, Vienna. That, that film has been on the screen in Vienna ever since it was released in 1947. There are certain projects that resonate with the people right through the generations in the two days I've been here, there are books and uh, pre-releases. I'm going to say, I, I've retired from saying,
3: okay? But I'm going to go there on Monday, on Tuesday, rather and say, where the hell are all my loyalty <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I'm watching myself on uh, on those Facebook excerpts. Uh, portraying my character in German, or in Japanese, or Polish. I, I speak better German,
0: Up next, we have audio from Tony Buba. It's a moving tribute to the late George A. Romero. Please welcome to the stage Tony Buba.
4: So, it's fall 1976. I'm in my bedroom in my home. It's actually an attic that was converted into a bedroom. It's my parents' house. It's in Braddock. Uh, Braddock, for those who don't know, it's a mill town right outside of Pittsburgh. So I'm here in this really small room. I mean, the ceilings are low, the walls are angled, and there's two windows which you can hardly, hardly let any air in. I'm 32, I'm just out of grad school, and I didn't move back home, but here in this bedroom with George Romero. George, Knight of the Living Dead Romero. (laughs) George Romero was a hero for mine. I mean, he had made the cult classic, Knight of the Living Dead, but George still hadn't broken into the mainstream. So for most people, he was still George Romero in small case letters. Now, 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 George is a big guy. He's 6'4", he's 6'5". He's punched over. Every time he would raise his head, he'd bang it off the ceiling. Me, I fit fine. <laughs> I mean, to tell you the truth, when I first moved in that attic, I, w- I was growing fast. I thought I would be a six-footer. I thought I was going to be the tallest booba ever. <laughs> but, but the attic had changed all that. It it was really like a goldfish bowl. I I never got any bigger. So we're in the attic, what we're getting ready to do is shoot a scene for Martin, a vampire film George is directing. Uh, My job, I'm the sound recordist. And the reason we're in the attic is because the budget for Martin is so low, it's so small, George couldn't afford any uh, fees for location. So we're using my parents' house. Uh, this scene, Martin is getting ready to get the steak driven into his heart. Everybody in the house is home. My mother, she's washing the blood out of the previous takes from the sheets. We, we only had two sets of sheets. I mean, this is how low the budget was. My dad, he's, he's sleeping on the couch. He had a hard shift in the meal. He's exhausted. My grandmother, she's chanting, Hail Mary, full grace, bless the earth, bless the fruit of God, Lord Jesus. She, she's, in, she's in her eighth hour of saying the rosary. It, my grandmother was the person in the family, you know, that it had to, it, she had special powers. She could relieve them the maluk, the evil eye. Yeah, you know the maluk, right? So, so we'd have, sometimes we'd have friends and neighbors lined up ten deep to see her. This night, she's saying the rosary because she's terrified. She's so afraid George is going to miss and really drive that stake through the actor's heart. So we're there, waiting for a clean set of sheets. George is on a riff. He's telling like, a funny story. George's conversations were, his pattern was like a beat neck. He'd be, man, this, this is cool, go to the crib, this is hip. I mean, George is a fun guy. You wouldn't know it from the script of Martin, but George is a fun guy. So. My mother, she brings up the set of sheets. We're ready to roll. George says, roll camera, camera rolling. Roll sound. Now this is pre-digital. So the equipment I'm using is the portable deck. It weighs about 16 pounds. It has reel-to-reel tape and power it you use 12 D cell batteries. It takes a while for it to get up to speed. So I have to say, camera rolling speed. George says, action. The actor, he gets the steak, it's slime, You know, hammer slimes into the steak. As it's going into Martin's heart, he says the lines, Nosferatu. I've checked my audio levels. It's perfect. The steak gets driven to the heart. Blood splatters all over the house. It's all over the room. The choreography's beautiful. George says, cut, good for camera, good for camera, good for sound, good for sound. George says, okay then, I think, uh, let's call it a night. Let's break set. Thank you everybody, this has really been cool. See everybody at 7 a.m., that's a wrap. So it's about one in the morning, I'm putting away the gear. I'm thinking, man, this is great, this is really cool. I'm just fresh out of grad school and I'm working on a feature film with George Romero. I mean, I was nervous, because I didn't know if I could pull it off. I never really did that much audio before. So a little nervous, but I'm thinking, man, how did I get here? And I was thinking, well, you know, my grandfather, he was a shoemaker. He came from Italy in 1921. He had a shop on Braddock Avenue. He worked for eight years before he was able to send have enough money to send for my mother, my grandmother and the rest of the family. My mother tells a story on the boat ride over. All my grandmother did was say to rosary because she was so afraid the ship was gonna sink. Uh, we, we lived on 5th Street, and we lived below the tracks, which back then, you know, you said you, our address, and they would say, oh, that's below the tracks. That was a big to-do, but the street was wonderful. It was a mixture of, we had Polish, Slavish, African-Americans, all the older folks had heavy accents. One of my grandmother's best friends was Mrs. Kalana, the Polish woman who lived across the street, they would talk for hours. The thing is, Mrs. Klonis spoke Polish, my grandmother Italian. <laughs> they would speak for, uh, they, they never really understood each other. <laughs> what, what, one, time, one time I, got, I, I said to my mother, hey, mama, uh, what did Mrs. Klonis say? She said, hey, no such. I said, no such? And no such is dialect for, I don't know. <laughs> that the evenings were also amazing, especially in the summer. You know, back then, we were all on our porches. Nobody had air conditioning. The windows would be open. My brother, he was much more studious than I was. He's up in the attic. He's, he's playing the clarinet. And you would hear the sounds of the clarinet coming out of the window. Then down on Third Street, Herb Porter, he'd be playing the sax. Then you'd hear the sound of the sax, the sound of the Sax then would blend with my brother's clarinet, then it would melt with the sounds on the street with the kids playing tag, the train whistles, the sirens, and the din of the mill. I mean, it, it truly created uh, a symphony worth of John Cage. After high school, my brother went directly to college. He went to Carnegie Tech, or just Carnegie Mellon now. Me, I bounced around. I racked balls in a pool room. I was in a service. I was a plumber's helper. I worked in a factory. At 25, I decided to go to college and I became a filmmaker. And my first works, I mean, I started making films about where I came from, about, about the decline of the working class. And Braddock, and Braddock as a microcosm of the industrial implosion. You know, those Marxist philosophy classes I took as an undergrad were starting to pay off. (laughs) But making films in Pittsburgh back then was difficult. Uh, You really weren't respected. You know, you make a film, but they would think, you know, the gatekeepers, I don't care whether they were in the art world or the commercial world. They thought, if you're in Pittsburgh, that means you're just not good enough to be in New York or Los Angeles. I sent my films out to New York City trying to get a screening. And I get a rejection postcard, not even a rejection letter, a rejection postcard, and on it it said, Your films might be of interest to the inhabitants of your region, but we'd be hard pressed to find an audience in here yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're here we 're here with with George making Martin, and we really want is for Romero to put Pittsburgh on the filmmaking ri- radar i mean we 're working for almost no pay. But we liked George, we liked the script, and we also respected the horror genre. And Martin was interesting because Martin played with the whole vampire myths. You know, was he a vampire or was he a psychopathic teenager? Was he 18 or was he 118? Uh, What I really liked about the script was that Martin was using the vampire as a metaphor for capitalism and how capitalism can suck the blood out of a community and just drain it to a death. Uh, So we're here, and once again, you know, it's a low budget. We're under 25,000 for this project. We have a crew of five. On the first day, it was like a pickup game. George says, you know, he's directing. Tony, what are you gonna do? I'll do audio. I mean, I really didn't do it, but I, I chose audio. Uh, then George was amazing, you know, with low budget techniques. He'd, uh, he'd say, right, man, we can't shoot a master shot, man. man It'd take too much time. We're going in for the close-ups, you know, the face, the tight, move a little bit across the screen, go in on the eyes, because we have a close-up of the eyes, and it just pan across there. It looks like a train moving, and we did have a train shot. We had to shoot the actors on a train car with the train moving, except there's nothing in the budget for that. So George says, you know what we'll do, man? We'll just have the train on the track. We'll have a light. We'll just have it rotate around the train with a crew member doing it. And I said, George, is that going to work? He said, oh yeah, man, wait, man. You'll be cool. I'll lay some sound effects, man. You'll, you'll, you'll dig it. So, okay. Then, you know, the other way to save money, the crew's in the film and the family. My mother's in it, my grandmother, my brother and I, we play drug dealers. We get killed. Uh, so, you know, we're, but, but it was a hard shoot. I mean, Martin was really difficult. It was exhausting. We were working 12, 16 hours a day, seven days a week. There were six days a week. We, we did have Sundays off. So six days a week. And we're coming to the end of the shoot, and the crew is tired. So it's one of the last days. We're shooting a scene. It's a quiet scene. It's critical for the film. And it's a scene where Martin makes love to the woman and he doesn't kill her. So they're talking, George says, cut. He says, oh man, you guys just nailed it. That seems amazing. Good for camera, good for camera. Good for sound. I had no idea. I fell asleep through the whole take. I looked down at the recorder. I saw the reels were spinning but I didn't know if I had good sound or not. It was one of those moments, you ever do it when you, when you fall asleep, you're not sure, you slept for 10 seconds, 30 seconds, five minutes. That's the way it was. You know, I just, when I heard his voice say cut, that's when I woke up. So because it was not digital, I couldn't rewind it. So I, t- I look up to George and I said, good for sound. <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, what was I going to say? Oh, no, George, I fell asleep to that whole take. I, I know you said to your made so I just, good for sound, George. Soon as I leave the set, I go down and see my grandmother. The mummock, you say a few rosaries for me. <laughs> you know, I'm not I'm, I'm not a big believer, but you know that ship didn't sink, the actor didn't get killed, and all my relatives' headaches were cured. We're closing in at the end of the shoot. Still no word on the audio. I'm more nervous than ever. My grandmother, she's in overtime saying the prayers. <laughs> George disappears. He goes into the editing room. He's a compulsive guy. He goes into the editing room. We don't see him for weeks, months. Nobody's hearing from him. You know, and I'm just getting more and more nervous. Finally, get a phone call. Is a rough cuts ready. Get in my car, drive to Pittsburgh down, four pit boulevard. It's where the office was for the late image. Go into the basement. The other crew members are there. We're standing around. George comes in. I mean, George is a mess. His hair is disheveled. I swear his teeth are green. He's walking slowly. He looks like he hasn't seen the outdoors or a shower in weeks. He he looked like a zombie. George looks over to the crew. He gives us a thumbs up. Finally, I can breathe. He puts the reels up on the rack. We're looking at the movie. Oh, man, it was fun. It was strange. I'm saying, oh, there's Mama. There's my grandmother. There's my mother. There's my cousins. And well, I'll be good to hell, that train does look like it's moving. George is an effing genius. He's brilliant. Then there's a scene of me and my brother. I get shot in the head. The blood spurts out. I'm driving a Chevy Corvair. Low budget. Chevy Corvair. I crash into a brother. I run him over. finally, The scene comes up that I was worried about, the quiet scene. The audio's perfect. I'm thinking, either my grandmother's prayers worked, I'm just a better audio man when I'm asleep. (laughs) The film's over, it's great. I got to work on other Romero films, you know, Dawn of the Dead and a few others. My brother edited some of them. And when I go to universities and I teach or give a lecture, As soon as the students found out that I worked with George Dawn of the Dead Romero, I had instant credibility. Forget about the Guggenheim Fellowship I got or the Rockefeller. (laughs) I work with George Romero, now in all caps. As most of you know, or I don't know if you know or not, but, you know, George passed this year, and so did my mom. i go to Braddock. And I uh, you know, go down the street, I look at my house, I look up at the attic, and I think about my mother bringing us those sheets. And I think about George and what he did. What he did in that goldfish bowl of a room, he put Pittsburgh on a filmmaking radar. What George did was make that goldfish bowl of Pittsburgh so large that people like myself could grow as big as we possibly could do. We could grow as far as our talent would take us. So I just want to say, thank you, Mom. Thank you, George. And with George to say, all of you out there, oh, man, thank you for listening. This has really been cool. (laughs) That's a wrap.